Hello and welcome to the Post Status Draft podcast. We are here at Post Status Publish, live with the final event of the day, wrapping up. And my name is Brian Krogsgaard. I'm the editor of Post Status. I like the segue you brought back there. I thought I wasn't going to be able to do my line, but now I can. Uh, and I'm Joe Hoyle, the CTO <laughs> and co-founder of HumanMade. And welcome to the Draft Post Status podcast. Yeah. Uh, so... We've been here for the past two days uh, talking to a lot of people about uh, all things WordPress and the WordPress economy. Yeah, there's, uh, wow, it's like difficult to, um, there's been so many conversations, uh, different parts of the economy and community and everything massively varied. I'm struggling to have taken it all in so far. I feel like I still need some time to you also just admitted that you've been hung over. Well, time. maybe that's got something to do with it. <laughs> but, um, but even so, I, I, I have been uh, amazed by uh, the breadth of knowledge that's been shared. And I think a genuine contender to the uh, multiple thousand people word camps that we have, which is fantastic for an event this size. Uh, so hats off. I think you did a great job with organizing and bringing all those people together. Well, thanks. And I really... I was hoping to um, do as much as I could to pull in a diverse group of people coming from, I guess, different um, standpoints and like motivations, um, small businesses and freelancers and big business executives um, and just kind of people that have a stake in one thing or another and journalism as well. Uh, and I, I, I do think it went pretty well in terms of uh, making that dynamic work. Uh, of course, I'm also interested in the questions that people have as the result of all of that. Um, so I do think people are going to join us and ask a question here and there. Um, hopefully, <laughs> we'll rely on that to a great degree. Pippin's already walking. <laughs> he look, looks like he's getting ready. So I'm going to quickly follow up on what you said there with the amount of different uh, industries, opinions, companies. I think that's one thing that, you know, most people I know that have been talking to me over the past couple of days, I'm getting a bit of a existential crisis when it comes to WordPress because it's, it's kind of like so broad and it's so difficult to really understand, I think now exactly like what WordPress is. And, uh, there's so many different people building businesses on it in different ways, uh, different directions. And, and how we're going to balance that with change in the future, I suppose. And I guess coming to terms with the fact that it can be different things for different people and organizations, right? Right. And this, I mean, this is something we've known obviously a long time. So I'm coming full circle for sure. But I think it just definitely hits home how, um, you know, WordPress is so, so big, but so varied. And, you know, recently we're thinking about it in terms of, product language, solution language. And that is just, it seems like me, such, or to me, such a almost contradictory thing to try and do that at the same time of having such this broad usage and uh, direction of all of these different industries keep maturing in their own direction. Yeah, absolutely. Pippin? It's a little bit of an open-ended question, but at events like this um, and in blog posts around the web, podcasts, et cetera, I think we get a lot of tips. We get a lot of suggestions or like people giving advice on this is how I think you can do this well or this is how we've done this well. 
But I don't hear enough about, these are the mistakes. And so I'd be curious to hear from you guys, your two opinions, and anybody else that wants to weigh in on what are a lot of the, some of the major mistakes that we're still making in, in the business side of WordPress, in the product side, in the services side, et cetera, that maybe we're not, we're not looking at enough. And this could be a mistake as an ecosystem in a whole or something that individual companies do or maybe that they're not doing. Yeah, and stay here because I think you're asking this question because uh, you're probably thinking about some of your own mistakes in your own organization. So I want you There's to be a part of this. <laughs> you're on the hook if you're making us talk about it. <laughs> um, I'll tell you that I, I, I take that to be a, a, a question of, of not one of like small tips here and there, small little things that I did wrong here and there. Um, like I really do still see the ecosystem as in its infancy, and I actually think there hasn't there hasn't really been any huge mistakes per se yet. Uh, and I think there's definitely going to be bigger opportunities. Unforgivable mistakes, of course. Right, and I th I think that will likely happen as stakes increase, as bigger companies come in, bigger money is thrown around. Um, we'll have much bigger failures because of that. I th you know, because I'm seeing this really the beginning. I think everybody is actually doing really well in like working it out and like getting to that next level. It's only, you know, once you get to, I don't know, we've got examples of companies growing way too quickly and collapsing and the, you know, fallout that comes from that. We just haven't really had to experience any of that stuff yet. So the, the only kind of, I, I, I don't see anything obvious in front of me. My only worry would be that we are unknowingly walking into a mistake at a very slow pace with, uh, the maybe, you know, um, sitting duck nature that I feel like we're in a little bit. Um, but it's, I would say there'd be no way to really know whether I'm right or wrong about that. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's see. especially true. And if you look at the product direction of WordPress overall, um, the frog boiling analogy where if you boil the water slowly, if the boiling water is the competition, the frog may not know that that's happening. Um, it's possible that we are not doing what we need to be doing fast enough, strong enough, with enough urgency, uh, and we get too comfortable in our teenage years as a community. Um, and all of a sudden, Maybe we still have massive market share, but we're not the leader in the space. I think there's risk of that already. I think there's a reason, for instance, that Matt is looking at the project and saying uh, what we did to get to this point is not what we're going to do going forward. Like even though the release structure might have made sense, the product development might have made sense uh, for legacy software. I don't think any of us want to be legacy software. So saying, screw that, we're going to... Uh, go all in on Gutenberg and we don't know how we're going to make it work yet, but we're going to try hard. I think um, that's probably in response maybe to those types of things, but at the same time, it itself, we don't know yet if it's a failure. It could be screwing up a good thing and if uh, the Gutenberg project gets too much backlash or whatever, it could be a situation like a, a Reddit redesign or was it Reddit? Dig, the Dig redesign that launched Reddit. Like, maybe there's a Reddit and we're Dig. We don't know. Uh, and I think there's a, a lot of risk there. That's great. Is there, maybe as a, a follow-up, simplify it a little bit now and look at, say, your existing product companies. What is a mistake that um, you guys are both very involved 
at a lot of product levels, but are not necessarily either one of you are product companies. Well, you guys are a little bit. What is a mistake that some of the main product companies in the WordPress space are making from your perspective? And, 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 you, could, and you could do that from a, from a business perspective of, well, I think you guys are fools because you're not doing this. Or I think you're, you, guys, you need to be building in this direction, and yet for some weird reason you're going in that other one. Anything come to yeah, mind? Yeah, I like. I think um, I, I forget his name, but the the chap from uh, Liquid Web who who was uh, Joe. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tough uh, name to remember. Uh, the the kind of like we should expect things to become uh, more simplified as they mature, and uh, whether you know that there's a there's a question baked into that of like whether all of us doing our own little producty things, is that going to actually hold up in the long run? Or do, do uh, I mean, I, I guess I would say you, you know, you're, you're a, somebody that, that makes products. Uh, do you need to see beyond the current, you know, um, you're assisting developers to build sites or whatever. Is there a next frontier for being products, maybe more somehow full solution product versus uh point products, I guess, uh, you know, fe feature products or what have you. I don't know exactly how that would look, but I, I, I feel like maybe there is a, uh, a point in the future where uh, the, the kind of like small product business have a, a couple of plugins will evolve to something else, which is a little more uh, of a, uh, a full encompassing business, I suppose versus uh, I, I kind of get the impression for a lot of product shops right now, if they were to stop marketing and stop doing, you know, releasing updates, then your, your revenue would just dive. Uh, so is there a way to make that more stable in the longer run to, to become uh, a, uh, a more stable company, I suppose? I agree with that. I think the, one of the bigger problems or uh, mistakes that's being made is... I think paid product companies are assuming that their customers are happy just because they're not asking for refunds. Um, I think the default is actually that uh, most product makers are not really fulfilling the desires of your average customer. I think you're probably really only like making somebody's dream come true with your product with a very small minority of your overall customers, like maybe 10%. I think there's probably 80% ambivalence of like this somewhat met my needs. Um, I'm not going to ask for a refund, but how many of those customers are using it? Like if you went and did analytics to say, which domain is this being used on? Is this a successful website? I think we'd be a little uh, downtrodden by seeing how few of those customers actually ended up using it the way we hoped they would. And then uh, it's easy to say, uh, you know, you only look at the last 10% or the actual people that are dissatisfied asking for support, stuff like that. Um, I don't think that's the true number of people that aren't getting what we're promising when we talk about what our products are going to do. I mean, I, th I think I, I could definitely say like my general perception of the WordPress economy is it's quite easy money at the moment and has been for a few years. Um, and I can say as somebody that has grown an agency that it, it wasn't really difficult. There wasn't much competition there. That there, there isn't really a lot now. You just kind of need the skills. And I kind of feel like to a certain degree, it's kind of the same with the uh, WordPress add-on product marketplace, I suppose. So it'll be interesting to see 
as maturity increases and competition increases, like Brian says, do you have to really go much further than you do now? I think if you see, say something like the iOS market, how that's had to, you know, the, the, the bar has been raised several times since its inception. And now it's incredibly difficult to get a, a successful iOS app, right? Is that going to happen in the WordPress uh, plugin space? I would think absolutely. And I think the where we'll really see that uh, come into play is when I was talking to uh, Joe and, and Gabe earlier about what's next for hosts. And I was asking a relatively leading question about are they going to start bundling plugins and making those decisions and including the currently commercial plugin functionality for free into for free or in bundled into their hosting products when that happens people will use that and then your products may be left out in the It's going to be really really great for a very small number of product companies right. it's going to really right. suck for the rest of them and i think and for I the think most part with the natural pr- progression paying for 10 commercial plugin companies and managing all that and updates and making them work together for the most part sucks Oh, it's a sh- super shitty experience. Yeah, I mean, it, it's you've talked about before um, the challenges of like blending all the products just within EDD. The pro- the site owner is dealing basically with the same thing, except it's for products coming from ten different companies. And a lot of those companies right now are companies that are pulling in a million bucks or whatever for their ten person company, which is great. Uh, but that can be easily wiped away by a company with a, a billion dollar a year revenue and a lot of money to spend on making it significantly better and make it look more like a hosted product, um, like what you see with Shopify or some of the other services. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Do we have another question? <laughs> we got one. Hey. I'm literally the the first line of my notes is just the single question can WordPress change? Can WordPress change? <laughs> this is was kind of the theme of my notes, so I'm happy to continue with the questions. <laughs> uh, let's see what Joe's got to say. Joe, why don't you say uh, who you are and what you do for the audience? For sure, Joe Howard. Uh, I run a company called WP Buffs. Um, I guess, first of all, congratulations on Post As Published, an awesome event. Oh, thanks. Went really well. Um, my question is, uh, so at my company, we run uh, a remote team. Um, we have nine people on the team right now. Um, but I would love to hear a little bit about growing the distributed team um, at Human Made. Um, it, it seems like... There are a lot of advantages to having a distributed team, also some disadvantages. I'm wondering kind of what, what you guys do to handle um, and to take advantage of the distributed team um, and I guess any resources you provide employees um, to help them um, be the best employees they can um, and to, I guess, continue moving forward sure. in a distributed yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, I... I I kind of see a distributed team as, you know, it's just a different way. It's, I, I don't really see it as a, as, as a better way. For us, it was a more uh, necessity because we weren't living anywhere where we could hire people out in the country. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think that, you know, we don't need to talk about it as if it's this great new amazing thing that's going to change the world and everybody's going to be working from a beach or something. Um, and it, but in terms of growing it, it definitely comes with a few unique challenges. Uh, like I would say, 
if I imagine that we had like just a physical office, we would have probably grown a lot quicker than, than what we did uh, distributed. The pace is just slower, I think, for remote teams um, in terms of how long it takes to bring new people on, to get to know them, to feel like, okay, well now we feel comfortable with this size of the company, we can proceed to the next step. You know, you're saying around eight or nine people, we certainly saw, I would say, the transitions were, you know, zero to five people is one kind of, you know, uh, scary, you've got employees. Slowly growing up to maybe 12 to 15, for me was another step of like, okay, well now we've kind of got a real company. Um, and, you know, I, I was doing all this for the first time, didn't totally know what I was doing and just kind of finding our way as we went. Um, and then at 15, again to 30, it changes again. And then now we're up to 15. I feel like that's kind of the next, next level. So you definitely kind of got to learn to run a company at four different stages, probably going up to that point. Um, to be honest, I don't, I, I don't have anything specific for the kind of like nine size, but I, you, you kind of mentioned an interesting thing, which was like how it is for employees when they're working in distributed teams, because it, it's um, not talked about that much, just how kind of difficult it is and uh, how many challenges that comes with it. Just for simple things like onboarding or training is a lot more difficult. Knowledge sharing is more difficult. Um, you know, there's the obvious things like time zones and things, but I, I think most of those, you work out how to get past those very easily at the beginning. Isolation is probably, you know, maybe the biggest thing that we deal with now, really. The, the bigger the team gets, the more kind of isolated you become. If you're a distributed team with four people, you're constantly all just chatting to each other. If you're uh, 50 people, then you can kind of get forgotten about. If you're like somebody new and like you, you need to make sure... You have things. So there's a few things that we do. Um, when you join, then you have like paired with somebody else for the first six months is going to like do some check-ins with you, make sure you have access to everything you need and like answer any questions that you might not be comfortable with, just like asking into the void kind of thing. Uh, we started having a lot more kind of documentation and, and things we have. Like I actually interviewed Tom in an oh, well, unpublished post. Has, hasn't been um, uh, podcast yet, but yeah. I, he probably talks a lot about this. Yeah, so Tom uh, went into some of the details about Human Made's employee handbook, uh, which they published uh, not too long ago. And it actually goes into, from a team standpoint, um, dealing with remote work. So it's, almost, it's a written document for new employees about... Uh, healthy working in a remote team and that's a real challenge um i'm actually a little envious of those of you with teams um because remote work alone is also significantly challenging um and it's really easy to uh get to a point of burnout and if you don't have people in similar situations with you that you can rely on and and, and get feedback from then you can get kind of stuck in that and it it stinks you know yeah i think when you talk about remote work, a lot of people talk about how to be efficient in the work, but not a lot of people, or not, it's not always talked about that kind of negative space of like, how do you fill the rest of your day and how do you make sure that you're, because you have control over your whole day, you have to plan every, you know, your whole day out. And I think that's just as important to your efficiency as like your pure. Definitely. Yeah. Thing. And like, I, I'm surprised because it's not that often 
But once I end up chatting to somebody about like, oh, well, how do you kind of like manage your day with like just, you know, uh, when you're taking breaks because you're on your own and all that kind of stuff. Those are actually really valuable conversations, but really not very common ones. Um, I would say we have, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how, but it, it is a very common thing in human made for people to be really looking out for each other. And everybody has a, um, a, a kind of a sense of responsibility to make sure other people are doing well. I would say if, if you are a remote team and you don't have that as part of your culture, that may, uh, you, you know, that, that may be quite difficult. People may be kind of burning out very easily. So I would suggest that you just try and make that part of the fabric really. And uh, that seems to carry a lot of people through. I think the company buddy concept is a really good one as soon as you get to two people. <laughs> so like <laughs> your two person company is pretty straightforward. Four person company at that scale is very well. Four, you can have two V two cornhole and <laughs> that's right. <laughs> You're set. <laughs> and uh, I think for people that are solo and they're remote, I think um, you have to create that for yourself. Uh, for me, my mastermind group helps with that a great deal. And we talk every Monday at, uh, I think, well, no, three o'clock now. Um, and it's just what we do. Um, and there's four of us. And we use that as our similar thing. Like part of that is just uh, personal accountability or personal checking up on one another, see how you're doing. And then we spend a part of that time talking about one person's business so that once a month you end up having to talk about your business to somebody and that actually helps you rubber duck some things even if they don't say anything but usually what they say is some stuff that really helps you out um which is super helpful and one of the other things that tom said i think that model translates to a corporate model too because I th he was saying that until y'all hit like 20 people at human made or 25 people at human made, he was meeting as a, in the CEO role, he was meeting with every employee at least once a month. And I think now he does so like maybe once a quarter, yeah. but until once, until you get to a certain size, like you can, as the leader of the company, you can be the one to at least check up on every person that you work with, you know, some periodic level but i think once a month having your manager or someone checking in on you and on your personal yeah. health as a remote employee is important i i mean definitely up to size up to that size that was incredibly important and i think very formative as well i think it it does make it even a little more scary when it gets beyond the point where you just don't have time like right. we're at now i mean i think tom was doing probably two hours a day of one-on-ones uh which you know it falls out of you can't scale that forever right right and that it definitely hits home on like what growing a company means then really and and you know again you now have to change things you want to try and keep that same benefits but you just can't do that anymore so you're going to have to come up with a different system to do it and that's kind of the interesting part of growing a company yeah that's scaling time part from what you were saying before you kind of hit different points of a business like having five is much different than having 10 which is much different than having 25 and once you get to the point where you can't scale your time anymore, like everything kind of changes. Um, so I'll, I'll also be interested in reading, uh, Siobhan Macon's book that yeah. is coming out, I think in March. Yeah. It just yeah. went out on pre-order and it's all about remote work and she spent a lot of her remote working life in the WordPress community. So I think that'll be really interesting once it does come out. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Do we have another question? Come on up. Questions are good conversation starters so far. 
Yeah. <laughs> I need that right now. <laughs> hey, y'all. My notes are letting Great event. This is a lot of fun. Say uh, who you are and what you do. Okay. Uh, yeah, my name is Dave Kiss. I'm a solo developer. I've been selling plugins for the past five years as my main business, uh, mostly related to video. Uh, but my question is, I guess, for as long as I've been involved in WordPress, we've seen these adoption rates go up, 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 23, 24, 25, which has always felt to me like just this made-up number until I double-check it, and it's like, oh, it's a real thing, right? Um, but so in my opinion, a lot of this is attributed to what? Like the ability that we can customize easily as a developer, you can go in um, with a, kind of a slow, gentle learning curve and change things to your heart's content, right? It's never been, in my opinion, uh, necessarily an, an ease of use sort of thing. And that's what a lot of these new changes are trying to address the, with the Gutenberg project and uh, just moving forward. How can we make this a little bit more uh, user-friendly in the admin? But in your opinion, do you think that some of these changes moving forward are going to hinder what helped it to grow in the first place as a developer for somebody. So now you need to understand some of these more complex JavaScript frameworks and mm -hmm. how to, uh, you know, what a build process even is. Um, those are kind of counterintuitive to what it means right. to be somebody as a developer that's just getting introduced to this project. Yeah. So what's your opinion? Can WordPress change? <laughs> yeah. You know it, right? Um, yeah. So uh, I think this is a very good question. Like, um, so WordPress is not the only thing in the world. If it were, then I'd be totally with you. I'd be like, well, let's just keep doing what we're doing, right? Keep it easy. The, the percentage is going up kind of thing. But everything else is also changing around us. Um, so I do think that there is need to, uh, you know, make, make changes essentially. I would say on the adoption thing, like, I would not be concerned at this point with increasing the adoption rate. Like if, if, if making it easy allowed more developers to get involved with WordPress and that allowed it to grow to the size it is, that's fantastic. But that doesn't mean that we just need to keep on doing that. And I think the technology space has evolved so much since like 13 years ago where WordPress has, has you know, changed a little bit over that period. But I really don't, I, I think it's really... Uh, falling behind to technologically compete. Unfortunately, that does mean uh, new things to learn, but I'm not sure I completely agree with the premise that it's more difficult. Like, I don't know, let's take React, right? We kind of, or I did anyway, looked at React and was like, well, that's this whole other thing. It's going to take me a while to learn. It, it did take a while. There's a lot of new technologies to learn. But if you're a new developer coming into it, like actually is that more difficult than PHP? I don't know, really. Maybe not, you know? Um, I think what is more difficult is actually not WordPress specific. But uh, if you go somewhere and say, let's build a static website, it used to just be, let's put some HTML and some CSS <laughs> Maybe together. that's more difficult. And now it's like, let's uh, have this Webpack situation going on and this... Uh, use Jekyll and... Yeah, it's like you could be... You have to like put all these things together and they have to compile and like it's for building a static website and it takes a lot more that you have to do and you end up with HTML and CSS and maybe a little it, bit of JavaScript. Does, but I think all done. that's because you're looking at it, you're looking at it backward, like from your perspective, looking behind you kind of thing. And I think that maybe just like technology has changed, the bar has changed now and, um, for, for somebody getting involved, maybe it is a little more difficult now, um, but it's still not kind of like 
being a doctor difficult, you know? So I, I think maybe the market can handle it being a little more difficult to get involved. And I think that that would be worth the benefit of like WordPress being able to be a single page application or something like the, 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 uh, competition, you know, left, right and center really at all the different, um, spaces that WordPress is tenable in right now, uh, WordPress is going to have to kind of hold up against those. And I don't see it being able to do that with a kind of, you know, quasi PHP for click a link, load a page forever style. So we're going to have to make some changes. I suppose. And I think the technology can change and then the tooling to make that same technology simpler kind of follows. So take WordPress, for example, um, previously when it was PHP and, and MySQL and uh, content management systems took a long time to install and get going. And then WordPress's famous five minute install or whatever made that a simple process. And then to my example that I just used was well, getting started creating a whatever static website requires all this uh, JavaScript configuration and co uh, compiling and whatnot, except for now you can also just say create React app <laughs> and it yeah, does all that so for you. I, I think, you know, the, the, the space is moving quickly and there is an assumption to think, well, it's all much more difficult now. Like the, five, the famous five-minute install is now a joke. Like five minutes is a huge amount of time <laughs> to get something installed now. Um, so if, if we can... Improved tooling, sure. Technology is going to change. Like, it is now the case that you can't really be a web developer without, you know, some significant JavaScript skills, or at least it's going to be that way soon. Um, so everybody that learned the old skills is going to have to learn the new ones. Everybody that's coming into it fresh, like, in some ways, I envy them a little bit because it's like, well, you can just jump on the new thing and you don't need to have gone through the days of, of PHP 4, um, and it'll just be different for them, I suppose. Yeah, you know, I'm still just thinking about, and I agree that this, I mean, you don't really have a choice but to implement new tech, right? But uh, do you, the, the thing that I, is most common that I'm running into is the, the folks that already have these projects that they're maintaining, they can't even find the time and when they do find the time to right. learn this stuff, like, okay, well, you're not getting paid to learn how what this process is, which has always been true. <laughs> but um, You mean like an employee or something? Yeah, an employee or just somebody that has their own agency or freelancer or whatever. You're not getting paid for it. I had I know when I was learning this stuff, which I feel very comfortable with now, but I remember having to rewatch courses multiple times until things mm -hmm. actually click. And, and I just wonder if that uh, ambition in general is enough to not only keep the number going up right but keep it from going down like significantly down i know this is taking what you're saying and making it at a much more macro level but there's actually been evidence um over the past whatever decade or so that global productivity and technological change has actually slowed significantly like the world has been up uh upended many times where entire industries were devastated because of new technologies and changes to the way things have always been done. Um, and there's some evidence now that actually that's happening less and less and our productivity gains as a global culture have actually uh, been smaller. Um, so even though it feels that way to us because it's our moment to be under the sun and like we're at our uh, working peak, I guess, uh, what we're facing in terms of the challenges ahead, like to keep up, 
are actually not necessarily as significant as they have been historically. Right, but I think there is... I, I, I definitely know what you're referring to, and I could see that being the case at a macro level. In our specific area, there, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of things changing, and I, I understand the difficulty to keep up with that pace. And um, I guess, like, in, in, in many ways, I'm kind of like, just like, how do we deal with this? Because it's happening whether you like it or not. Or not, like, I, I don't think anybody in technology want, is trying to make JavaScript, you know, be this super fast moving landscape. It just like is an emergent property of how everybody is doing everything. I think that's my point is that, uh, you know, some changes to the way we do things within the web are part of the web progressing, which on the whole we want. Um, and some of those changes will be a little harder because we have to learn new things and we have to adjust and, you know, we have to keep up, but that's, that's part of progress. And I, I mean, I would say if anything, being, uh, you know, we, we, we should build it into, uh, work and contracting or whatever the, the whole space needs, uh, room for people to keep learning. Like we, you cannot necessarily have a business model that says, well, I'm just going to now use that technology for 10 years. You need to bake into that. Well, I'm going to have to replatform every three years or something like that. And it's the same with learning things. Um, and may maybe everybody's just a little bit squeezed that they're annoyed at the fact that they've got to like spend some more time. Like you're saying, you know, watching courses multiple times takes a lot of time. Um, but if somehow the whole economy was baking in the idea already that it was allowing you for do, to do that, uh, so, so maybe, maybe that will happen too. And I think the web industry is young in the sense that there aren't uh, formal structures that are really in place for continuous education uh, like there are in a lot of other industries. And for instance, like it's still relatively difficult today to go to some four-year college nearby and major in web development. You know, like you might be able to major in computer science, you might be able to major in graphic design, but not every college has uh, like a four-year degree in web stuff. And that's kind of amazing considering there's however many tens of thousands of people just in the United States and hundreds of thousands globally right. that do this professionally. Would... I guess, but like, I don't even know if it would make sense because we know that you couldn't have taught somebody something four years ago and now it would be, still be relevant. Like, I would say teach, some, teach somebody to understand programming principles and all of those things, but don't teach them CSS. Like, that's, that's not a... a that, that, that's like something you learn to do, but it's not really a skill, you know? Like, you're, you're going to have to... What I mean by that is you're going to have to replace it. You're going to have to learn the next version of CSS in a couple of years or whatever when we switch to some different system for styling. So I think to do like a university thing in something that's so changing is you're teaching the wrong thing. That's an ever-moving target. Give people the tools to be able to teach themselves throughout their whole lives doing web development. Yeah, I'm not saying education can't be improved and how it keeps up with uh, the technical landscape, but... Uh, the infrastructure really isn't there for us. And that same thing occurs in other industries. You know, textbooks get updated every semester uh, right, to right. try to keep up. Yeah. I'm just saying uh, the learning process is something that's natural to any industry and that we should be uh, embracing that more than fearing it for the most part. 
So here's one last question. I want to take up all, all the time here, but uh, if there's a way to move forward with new tech, but still take some of the best parts of what we learned about the past 10, 15, however many years it's been for, with WordPress, where uh, you can kind of integrate that easy learning curve, but still leverage the ability to implement a lot of these new strategies. Uh, and specifically speaking about this React versus Vue conversation, uh, would that uh, be worth exploring because of what you're able to leverage from what you learned in the past? It, it would. Um, uh, yes. So if let's say you were able to give me both on a plate, right? And they'd be like, well, of course I'll take that one, right? Um, the, so, so like in this specific example of, of Vue and React or whatever, I think there's a lot of other variables at play there as well. And like we have a lot of practicalities of like, well, what does the team know that's going to be working on this? Uh, and what do we have experience? Where are there just some good other examples? So the um, un unfortunate truth is often that there are just a bunch of other practical reasons that end up outweighing that. Um, like Vue and React, you're right. That, that like Vue is a, a more progressive technology, probably based off of what people will already know from the JavaScript world. So that would be one thing in favor of like, well, that's kind of like WordPressy. It's just like you learn a little bit more, you can tweak, tweak around. Whereas React is like a paradigm shift. And that is like, well, now I've got to learn this whole thing. Um, and, and that, but, but that whole comparison there is just one thing you put in the negative and, and, and positive column, right? There's a bunch of other things that we have to weigh up as well. So I can definitely see it for that. I still think on balance that, that uh, it, it vastly makes more sense for React given the practicalities of the situation. Um, I hope that people actually find learning React a lot easier uh, than, than it's perceived to be. There, you know, th there's a way that it could be done well. There could be great documentation, great tooling. We all know how difficult it is to actually do that though. So the reality might be that, wow, we're gonna get Gutenberg it's built on React. Nobody really understands it that well. The tools are a little bit sketchy. Over the th next three years, it gets a little better. That's probably the reality of what is going to happen. Um, but un unfortunately, what you realize is when you get pretty involved with contributing with WordPress, is like everybody's just trying to get a little thing done. You know, there is no master plan. There is no uh, ability to kind of take this top-down view and like design it exactly how you want it. You just have to deal with the realities of how the project is. And that is usually, well, you know, somebody's got energy for it and they're just going to go and do something. And, and, and that's the direction it goes. Uh, on the further way you are, that can seem like a frustrating thing to look at though. I, yeah, I, get that. <laughs> I agree that actually you, you end up just learning how to do the thing that's going to solve the problem that you have right now. For the most part, we don't. A master plan is extremely hard to put into place. And then, as soon as you have get to the point where you're trying to implement that, typically that's going to go all out the window. And then, hopefully, it'll help inform what you end up doing. But you're always going to do whatever it takes to kind of solve what's at hand, whether that's a client project um, or or something else. Like maybe it's something core related. But you're going to end up just doing what you have to do to get something fixed. I mean. It's, it's more than that because in open source, you only control what you do. You don't control what anybody else does. So in, in a company, you have structures in place to be able to get everybody moving in the same direction. We don't have that in open source, at least in this community anyway. 
which is both a good thing because everybody is not reliant on each other and you know uh everybody has their own agency uh so they they can kind of choose what they want to do um but it does make it very difficult to have coherent direction because of that yeah we've got about two minutes if anybody has a, another question drew or patrick go choose fight <laughs> what's wordpress have going for it that's good <laughs> i think wordpress has a lot going for it that's good um, you've, you've totally picked up on my general vibe for the past couple of days. I'm sorry that's rubbed <laughs> off on you. Joe's, Joe's in a little bit of a downer mood right now. <laughs> I mean, I think WordPress's greatest strength has always been its community, and it's never been its code. Uh, ever since it was a fork of B2, it was all about practicality and accomplishing something at hand, what, creating a photo blog or fixing a bug and two guys got together and turned it into WordPress and it's been uh, slowly progressing despite itself from a code perspective. And I think that's okay. Like that's how, that's how the world works. Um, but the community, the people that end up coming together to try to put these little solutions together uh, in total ends up being pretty special. And I think that remains just as special today as it was 10 years ago. I, I'll go for a more direct answer for what is good in WordPress. <laughs> um, like when I look at, when my, my main worry for WordPress is when I look at it, I don't get excited. I don't see the future. And I think I've, I've asked that question to a few people here of like, you know, in your organization, is, is the technology decision makers excited that the WordPress is the future for their technology? Or is it just like a thing to get something done in the meantime, which is exactly what Brian is saying. And sure, like that, that actually does, it turns out, get you to like 28% of the web. Um, that's good enough, but it doesn't really personally excite me very much that I'm working on something that everybody just kind of knows is like, well, it's good. And you know, the community is great. Like that doesn't really get my developer kind of fingers wanting to work on something WordPress. Um, but I mean, that's like why I got involved with the rest API project because I wanted to make that better. I would say with WordPress, I frankly, I think the PHP and WordPress, I'd call that good. I think it is genuinely good. It's, it's, uh, um, incredibly smooth and optimized at this point. I think the REST API, I'm proud of that. That's good. I think WordPress has a lot to do on the client-side technology. I think that's, you know, we kind of all know that. If we can somehow um, get more momentum of energy, you know, if Gutenberg is looking great, I think now, if that manages to ship, and then maybe that shows that we can actually do something with WordPress. Um, we can do interesting things, and that can pave the way for more interesting innovation, then maybe we can get uh, some of the kind of, uh, you know, technical excitement back into the project. I'm not sure if it ever did have that or not. Maybe this is just me getting older and seeing more other technical things and, and being on a bit of a downer that WordPress doesn't have any of this cool stuff. I think social media creates a little bit of a vacuum um, because uh, it's historically been easier to put something on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram rather than 
something that's ours and our own. And I think one of the risks is that people are embracing the idea that something can just disappear and not have any degree of permanence. The fact that something like Snapchat exists baffles me because <laughs> you're you not understands. It's a it's a <laughs> it's a life memory or Instagram stories for that matter. It's a life memory that is once in our lifetime, and we are okay with it disappearing uh, 24 hours from now. When one of the most interesting uh, technological breakthroughs that's continued to innovate over centuries has been to take something and to be able to preserve it to a degree, whether that's from an artistic standpoint to photography to video to our every little you know, thing that we have on our mind, that's continued to advance. And it's weird to me that we're starting to see that reverse to want to see it disappear. So I think that to a degree might be where kind of the battle lines get drawn because um, I'm an advocate of archiving a lot of that stuff rather than letting it go away because I think those memories have some value. And I, I think there's a role for WordPress to play in that, in the argument for permanence. Yeah. How much are products... How much... How, how much they're developing, like how much they're progressing? Right, so the, the, uh, for the audience... <laughs> uh, the 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 question is, uh, I guess, products and and things like that are they uh, getting better in spite of WordPress because they're having to build more stuff, a foundation on top of WordPress because WordPress isn't really providing them everything that they need. Okay, what's your? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, is there an indicator that WordPress is falling behind? I don't think we know yet, personally. And I think actually it's probably an indicator that WordPress is still moving forward, that people are building on top of it. I'd be actually more concerned if people weren't building things on top of it because it would be a sign of uh, a lack of demand. WordPress, the foundation, doesn't have to do everything. And I think it's good that there's these things that people are doing on top of it. But I'm not sure I'm answering. Yeah, no, I, th I, th I think you are, but I think I disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> um, that's, that's what I'm hoping for, at least. Um, I, I think if, you know, if you're having to, like you say, you're, I don't know, let's say take something like an ORM, right? WordPress has no ORM for doing custom database tables, that kind of thing might be a good example of the kind of thing that you're talking about. So as if you're building products on it, you've got to now bring all of this stuff with you. Um, I think WordPress could do a lot more for people developing on it to, to, grow with the ecosystem it hasn't really done that i don't think you know the like like we were saying previously the bar is always getting higher you know you guys are building great plugins another shop notices that they try and outdo you they do all of that but all the time wordpress is staying at the same level so you're both having to build higher and higher on it all the time um so i think there probably is room for wordpress to do a lot more than it does now and that's maybe a difficult thing with the focus cycle for WordPress because we're kind of like focusing on users now, not developers so much, I suppose. Uh, and it really takes somebody with kind of like the energy of say when Nason was significantly contributing to really just go and do all of that stuff. Uh, so I definitely kind of sympathize with that view, but yeah, in fact, just way in there too, uh, as a plugin developer working mostly in react and off the rest API, it, it is scary to me that, 
my favorite parts of this new product that I'm working on is a uh, one that is a template uh, that where it's a single page app that no other plugins or themes can interact with, right? So it's just a siloed thing and, and there's no chance of conflict or no chance of style overrides or whatever. And two, that 80 to 90% of it is just driven off of an API. And so at any moment, if anything new that comes in that it, I can simply adapt to what their API standards are, you can now build in a way uh, all this front end stuff that is very easy to make it portable. And so for me, that's always been an indicator as a developer that like I want to build this in a way that in the, in the case that things kind of go sour or something else comes along that I'm not out of luck and that I've only been the WordPress guy this whole time. I just have the, and that's why I think this, all this React and this REST API stuff is all about, right? It's like, learn the stuff that's going to allow you to integrate with anything, not just one specific tech. So, All right, well, we're going to leave it there. I don't think that conversation is going to end today. We can continue to, <laughs> to debate about JavaScript and the future of WordPress, but thank you, everyone, for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks.